Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. You know, beloved, this is the time of Rosh Hashanah, so we are speaking to you about all of the many mysteries of this time of year. And those of you who, who have been studying with us know that this time of year is the the holiest time of year. It's a time of breakthrough. It's a time of reversal. It's a time of tremendous anointing. But before we begin just tonight's teaching, I want to speak to you just for a moment about the secret of seven. It is so important that we understand that. And we see the biblical feasts revealed to us, don't we? We see them revealed to us in the book of Genesis, which I will not go into. If you've studied Torah with us long enough, you know that in the creation story, we see all biblical feasts revealed. That was one of the primary principles and objectives of Moses in telling the creation story. Then we see the biblical feasts also in Exodus, primarily uh, primarily focusing on the Shalosh Ragalim, the three the three most holy feasts that are going up, the pilgrimage feasts. And then in Leviticus, we get a complete different take on the feasts. Moses takes us into the, the Sabbath. He takes us into the Shabbat. And he takes us into the place of what the real, how we prepare and what every biblical feast is like. Because every biblical feast has the secret of the Shabbat in it. It all, all biblical feasts begin with a Shabbat. And so therefore we must understand what is that Shabbat? How do we enter into it? And this year, as we have said to our people, starting next Friday night, everybody is shutting down. Everybody is shutting down. Are you with me? What do we mean by that? We're not doing this ritualistically. And we don't need to feel uncomfortable as Gentile believers to do this because one of the reasons we're shutting down is we believe by faith that we are going to have an encounter with God on Rosh Hashanah that is unlike no other. So we have to prepare ourselves, don't we? We have to prepare ourselves spiritually. We have to prepare our atmosphere. And that means that we subordinate ourselves to the presence of God and we separate the mundane from the miraculous. Say this with me. I'm separating the mundane from the miraculous. That means I'm not going to allow myself to become distracted on any earthly things starting next Friday night. So what does that mean? It doesn't, it means that I'm shutting down. And if I have to do business that should be Friday night, I'm going to do it Thursday and I'm going to prepare my whole week so that I can begin to enter into God's world, into the world that we recognize that, that the presence we're entering into is unlike no other. And we must subordinate ourselves unto it. Amen. All right, let's open our Bibles to first Kings and we can go ahead and everyone can be seated. We just 
just want everybody to feel comfortable and everyone to be seated. So we ushers, don't worry, you're not interrupting if you're seating people. All right, so we are opening our Bibles today to 1 Kings chapter 1. Hallelujah, can we do that right now? And we are going to see a Rosh Hashanah-like event because Rosh Hashanah is based on three primary principles. And those of you who are studying Torah with us understand you don't have to know this. This is not totally necessary in order for you to be able to experience a Rosh Hashanah like no other. But there are principles, and the three principles of Rosh Hashanah are Malkiot, Shofarot, and Zikronot. Say it with me. Okay, three things. Malkiot, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Say it with me. The kingdom of God. And this was the primary message of Yeshua, wasn't it? His whole, his whole entire ministry was based on Malkut Shemayim, the kingdom of God. Okay, so we have Malkiot. Then what is the second one? We have Shofarot, and we have, it's a day of the blowing of the trumpets for you. Hallelujah. And then we have Zikronot. You will be remembered by God when the trumpet is blown. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to shout the victory. All right. So we're going to see what that looks like. But I want us, as we're here in 1 Kings chapter 1, we're going to begin in a moment with verse in 1 Kings chapter 1. We're going to begin with verse 33, and we're going to read it down to verse 35. But before we do that, I want you to understand this concept of a day of the blowing of the trumpets for you. Let us look at Numbers chapter 29, and we're going to look at verse 1. Again, we have the version of the biblical feasts in all five books of Torah. We have the biblical feasts in Genesis, biblical feasts in Exodus, biblical feasts in Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, all various different versions of the biblical feasts. And the biblical feasts presented to us in Numbers are based on the offerings. And the most unusual way that Moses presents it is preceded by the Tamid offering, which represents Yeshua. So we see that Yeshua is the offering, and because of his offering, we can enter into all the promises that God gave to Israel. Isn't that glorious? Somebody ought to give God the glory. All right. So now, beloved saints, let's look at Numbers chapter 29, verse 1. And in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you will have a holy convocation. You will do no servile work. Hallelujah. No servile work. That means I belong to God for that whole time. I'm shutting in. Somebody ought to say, I'm going into a divine shut-in. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, my. You shall do no servile work. It is the day of the blowing of the trumpets. Notice, unto you. Now, we don't get unto you a day of the blowing of the trumpets unto you in the Leviticus version. In Leviticus, it just says a memorial, a blowing of the trumpets. But in Numbers, it says 
a blowing of the trumpets unto you. So every place in biblical feasts where we see unto you has spiritual significance. Unto you means personal providence. Say it with me. Unto you you. means personal providence. Do you remember when God said, I will open for you the windows of heaven? Notice that's personal providence, isn't it? All right. So we see for you and unto you attached to many of the biblical feasts. We see it in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 27, which we will not look at for day of atonement. It is the day of atonement unto you. And we see it for the beginning of the biblical calendar. The beginning of the biblical calendar says this month shall be the beginning of months to what? To you. It is the first month of the year to you. Say it with me, to you. So God has ordained it as if you were the only one. Isn't that glorious? Because there's two types of providence. There is, there is the collective type of providence, which is the providence that is general providence, and it's for all of Israel. It's Khalil, the Ashkaha Khalil. That means it's generalized providence for everybody. But that is not the type of providence that comes in the biblical face. It's Ashkaha Pratis. Personal providence. Sit with me. Personal providence. That means everything you need. Are you with me? That means God is so personal to you that what you have before God, he's going to take care of. Are you with me? All right. Now we see, beloved saints, that it is the day of the blowing of the trumpets to you. So why? What's going on here? What does that really mean? I know I can get all excited about it, and I know that every biblical feast is attached to an event. And we know that Rosh Hashanah points to the Akita. But what more is that? Does that really affect my life? And the answer, of course, we know is definitely yes. But is there more? Is there something else that God is saying about the day of the blowing of the trumpets for you. And this is what we need to look at. Number one, Rosh Hashanah, say it with me, Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Say it. This word Rosh is the word head, meaning head of the year. So what does that mean? There's many different various versions of it, but one of the personal, powerful, prophetic applications is that on Rosh Hashanah, he becomes the lifter of your head. Do you understand that? That it's an experience to have your head lifted up. Somebody ought to say, God's about to lift up my head. All right, so for the sake, before I share the message here, because I got to give you just a little bit of conceptual framework, all right, just so we understand what does it look like when God lifts up your head. Go with me just for a moment to Psalm 3. God wants us to see this this, uh, powerful principle in Psalm 3. Psalm 3, verse 3 says, for you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory, and you're the lifter of my head. 
So lifter of the head means that what God is about to do and the type of restoration that he's going to give you is restoration, but also supernatural elevation above your enemies. Do you understand that? Are you in a place right now where God needs to lift up your head? Say it with me, lifting up my head above my enemies. All right, let's see what that looks like. Go with me. In Psalm 27, looking at verse 6, Psalm 27 is read all throughout the month of Elul and also uh, on Rosh Hashanah in the days of awe for 40 days, Psalm 27. And we see in Psalm 27 why. One of the reasons is because God's the lifter of your head. And where do we see this? Let's look and see another deeper meaning of when God lifts up your head. Verse six, and now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies. Hallelujah. Above my enemies round about. Therefore, I shall offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. Say this with me. My head head. is going to be lifted up above my enemies round about. All right. What else does this mean about going above? Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13, because it's your destiny to be above. Hello. I said, it's your destiny to be above. It's not your destiny to be beneath, but knowing that when God lifts you up above, it doesn't mean better than. It has nothing to do with ego. All right. Ego is, is actually, we've been through the whole month of Elul and 90% of the searching in Elul is to get rid of the ego. Are you with me? Say ego and self-esteem are not the same thing. God wants us to have legitimate, healthy self-esteem, but the ego destroys it. Hello, somebody. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Because the ego is based on uh, undealt with issues. The ego is based on uh, unsanctified needs that we use the ego to try to meet. Do y'all understand? And so our needs are basically developed from uh, artificial means that can never make us feel better. For example, um, a good example of ego. I need to have that new car, not because I, not because I really like that new car. Maybe I really don't like it, but I really like the brand. And I have to get that brand because I will prove to everyone I'm successful. You see, that's ego. But how about self-esteem? I loved that car, but I'm waiting for God to give it to me. If he wants me to have it, I'll have it. But I'm not going to use it so that other people will see how successful I am. Hello, somebody, are you with me? That is ego. And that has no place. That has no place at all in the biblical feasts because we have to get rid of everything that's going to stop us from entering into the presence of God. Are you with me? Hallelujah. 
All right, yeah. another thing of ego. Ego, sometimes our benefit requires, you know, the ego always has to have its way. Whether you're really right or wrong, you just got to get that. We got to get that last word in. That's ego. Okay, we have to have everybody know I was right. That's ego. All right, so we have many different manifestations of ego. I had to say that because what I'm about to tell you about being above that we absolutely know we're not talking about ego. Look at the word. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13. The Bible says, the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. Hallelujah. You shall be above only and not beneath. What does it mean when the Bible says the Lord is going to make you the head and not the tail? Go with me to Exodus 19. This is the destiny of Israel. This is the destiny of Israel. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 19, going down to verse 5. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And we are seeing hallelujah. Now, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you will be a peculiar treasure unto me. What? High above. Say it with me. Above. High above all the nations of the earth. So does that mean you're better than the nations of the earth? No. High above has to do with Kedusha. It has to do with walking in holiness. It has to do with the values that God was going to give to the nation of Israel that are unlike any other nation. Because a nation of idolaters has no social or moral consciousness. There is no moral conscience in a society that worships idols. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. So God is going to raise up Abraham which he did, who was the first monotheist of his generation, who is actually going to get souls converted. We don't read of anyone else converting souls until Abraham. As a matter of fact, do you really want to see something awesome? How many of you like awesome little nuggets from the word of God? Gen oh, excuse me, princess. Uh, uh, go with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Look at it in verse 5. Watch this. Watch this. When you and I learn the secret of Leklaka, <laughs> Leklaka coming out and giving up everything for the gospel, yes, giving up everything for the amen. kingdom, Leklaka, something yes. happens. Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance they had gathered, and all the souls they had gotten in Haran. And the Bible says, and into the land of Canaan, uh, to go forth into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. Canaan, which was the ancient name for Israel. All right, notice. The Bible says, as we look at Abraham, going back to verse 5, the Bible says all the substance they had gathered, that means all the wealth, they were very wealthy, and everything that they had gathered, they gathered it up. And the Bible says, and all the souls, notice, all the substance they had gathered and all the souls they had gotten. But the word gotten is a misprint. Sometimes we see the translation makes an error. Yes. This is not all the souls that they had gotten. The verb here is asa, which means to make. 
all the souls that they had made. Abraham and Sarah were making souls through the conversion, and the scripture is going to differentiate persons who are not converted are not called souls. But those in the book of Genesis that know the God of Abraham are called souls. Are you with me? Say this with me, distinction. Distinction. Why? Because that spark comes in them. Hallelujah. When they hear Torah, somebody ought to say the spark makes them alive. They become souls. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. And notice there's a clear, concise difference. All the substance they had gotten, you gather the well. You get it. But souls, you make them. You make them. Abraham went to the men, and Sarai went to the women. Somebody ought to say they both went through Leklaka. They both went through Leklaka. They both gave up everything for the love of God. Oh, that's glorious. Both represent Rosh Hashanah. On the first reading of Rosh Hashanah, on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, God's going in another direction. So I just got to follow up for a minute. Is that okay? All right. Okay. The first reading of Rosh Hashanah on the readings of Rosh Hashanah are found in Genesis 21. Let's go there just for a moment. See what wonderful Torah nuggets are there for us so that we will understand what's happening to us. What's happening to us on Rosh Hashanah? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time that God had spoken to him. Set time, this is the word that translates into Moed. It was a biblical feast when Sarah conceived Isaac. And guess what feast it was? Rosh Hashanah. Somebody ought to say Rosh Hashanah. Now, when the Bible says the Lord visited Sarah, we would expect it to be an impartation, wouldn't we? We're looking at that word visiting, maybe meeting, God met Sarah, but that's not what that means. It's a very unusual word, God visited Sarah. The verb here that is used is the verb pakad. Pakad means to count. Wait a minute, what's going on here? Count? How does that have to do with God fulfilling his promise? Counting? It also means to appoint. It also means to make ruler. It also means to make to make an overseer. It also means to position. What, what are we talking about? Pakad. It's basically used to count, for example, to take the sum of something. It's used oftentimes for a census. Why would God need to take count anything with Sarah? 
because he's evaluating her. And you see, she went through some major trials. And after she passed the test, hello, somebody. I said, after she passed the test, God visited Sarah. Hallelujah. As he had spoken, he fulfilled the word that he had said. Are you with me? Or do you understand this? Hallelujah. Say this with me. Even if you're Sarah, you don't get a free pass to destiny. But her tests were very unusual. Now, what does this Rosh Hashanah head mean? Head God will make you the head and not the tail. He's the lifter up of your head. This is what God is going to do on Rosh Hashanah. What does that really look like? What does that look like? One of the versions of lifting up the head and what it looks like is found in 2 Kings chapter 25, looking at verse 27. This is Jehoiakim. He actually, the, the text actually uses this phrase, lifted up the head. Let's look at this just for a moment. Jehoiakim, Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 25, verse 27, and it came to pass in the seventh and 30th year of the captivity of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the 12th month and in the 27th day of the month, that evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, did lift up the head of Jehoiakim and brought him up out of the prison. Now wait, watch the next. It says, and he spoke kindly to him and set his throne above all the other thrones and changed his prison garments. And he did eat bread continually before him all the days of his life. What does this mean? It means to restore back to the place of original honor. I said, on Rosh Hashanah, the place of honor God ordained for you that the enemy took God wants to restore it back. Or the place of honor that was ordained for you. Sarah was ordained to be the mother of many nations. And the reason she was so evaluated and tested isn't just that are we going to have a child or not. It was because in Isaac, a whole nation was conceived. Do you see this? When she conceived Isaac, she conceived an entire nation, a nation of the nation of Israel. Are you with me? Are you with me? Do you understand what this means? All right. So who else had his head lifted up so that we can understand what this means? Do you remember what Joseph said to the butler when he interpreted his dream in the prison? He said, in three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and you will be restored back to your position. Say this with me. Some things that the devil has stolen out of my life. Vision that I was walking in. That the enemy illegally hijacked is coming back into my life.
say, why do you weep? God would say, the very place I promised you, you shall inhabit. God is saying, I raised you up. And God is saying, the very desires of your heart shall truly come to pass. God wants you to know this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need not worry because God's already setting it up. He's already got it in motion. Don't limit God to what you think it's going to be because he's a God of surprises. Just let him do it. So it doesn't matter where he does it. doesn't matter what place he does it. It's the same thing, whether it's over here or whether it's over there or whether it's this or that. It's who God called you to be. And it's where God called you in his body. of the earth. Amen. I've called you to walk and I'm going to put you there. Amen. Oh, so many people are going to confide in you. Yes. Oh, Bashita, like the prophetess Holda, Shika. God is saying, I'm raising you up. Great royalty, my daughter. Ho, oh, Shaka. God is good. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh my God. God created you from your mother's womb to be his and to be separated. And to love Torah. This love that you have for Torah is so supernatural. And the understanding that I've given to you does not come from man. It comes from me, saith the Lord. The Lord is saying, I'm giving you a mantle like Joseph. There's going to be doors open for you that you never imagined before. God is going to open doors, and God is saying he's going to speak to you and use you. And, and visions and dreams and the deeper things of the Spirit. This is going to be a year of going into the deeper things of the Spirit of God than you have ever gone before. So shout the victory. So we are seeing the lifter of our head, aren't we? All right. So what does that look like? First Kings 
chapter 1, going to verses 33 through 35, very quickly. 1 Kings chapter 1. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 1, this is actually the inauguration of Solomon's anointing. You say, what does that have to do with Rosh Hashanah? Number one, we have Malkiot. Number two, we're going to have Shofarot. And number three, we're also going to have Zikronot because it was because of remembrance that this is happening in the first place. Watch. And David called, and King David said, Call me Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada. And they came before the king, and the king also said unto them, Take with you the servants of your Lord, and cause Solomon my son to ride upon my own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, anoint him king over Israel, and blow the trumpet and say, God save King Solomon. Now, wait a minute. What's so big deal about that? He just say, well, Solomon, of course, he's David's son. He's supposed to be the king. And is there anything really abnormal about that that I should look at? Is there something irregular in what we're reading that it should actually apply to Rosh Hashanah? Does it really have any personal, powerful, prophetic meaning in my life? Well, guess what? We just interrupted a text. This is not the introduction. There's a little backstory. Turn to your neighbor and say, There's always a backstory. Say this with me. If you really want to know what scriptures mean, find the backstory. Say, I'd like to be a detective, a Holy Ghost detective, and find the backstory. Because that's going to give me the hidden meaning. Hello, somebody. Are you with me? Okay. Part A of the backstory begins in verse 1 of 1 Kings 1. This is all the first chapter. It's a prelude. Okay. 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I'm not going to go into detail. King David is, he's in, he cannot get out of his bed. He's old. He's ready to go home to be with the Lord. But one of the reasons he can't get out of his bed is the ordeal with Absalom almost killed him. Yes. Emotionally, he's finished. He cannot get out of the bed. That's the prelude. Then the story begins in verse 5. Look at verse 5. The Bible says in verse 5, And Adonijah, the son of Haggit, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not displeased him at any time saying, why have you done this? Hmm. Why didn't his father say, Adonijah, you cannot make yourself king. Notice he was planning this for some time and his father did not displease him saying at any time, why have you done so? What's going on with David? 
This is very grievous. Do you know why? Because in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 9, the Bible tells us that prophet Nathan gave David a prophecy. And that prophecy was, there will be a son who will in the future be born to you. And his name shall be Solomon. And you will put him on your throne. And I will be his father. And his kingdom shall be forever. David heard that prophecy, praised God, put it in his spirit, and told Bathsheba, because Solomon was her son also when he was born. Are you with me? Are you hearing this? Okay. So you have this prophecy. He's supposed to be king, but you have a big problem. See, the scripture is going to show us one conflict after another when it gets near the time for it to happen. Maybe you didn't hear me. I said the scripture is going to present to us one conflict and obstacle after another when it gets near the time for it to happen. Maybe you didn't hear me. I said... The scripture is going to show us some major impediments to the impossible. And it's going to be in such a way that the scripture is going to present to us no matter which way you look at it. It's impossible for Solomon to become king. Yes. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is not written so you know it happened. This is written so you will know what it means when the Lord blows the trumpet. The king ordered, say this with me, the king ordered that they anoint Solomon and blow the trumpet. Somebody ought to shout right now. What about these obstacles? They're not minor details, all right? The scripture is going out of its way to show us a complicated, a complicated household. The scripture is going out of its way to show us a complicated government. And there's no loopholes. Watch what happens. It says, he was a very goodly man and his mother bare him after Absalom. What does this mean? This is not Absalom's natural brother. It, his mother was not Maaka. Maaka was the mother of Solomon. So, excuse me, of Absalom. So Maaka is not the mother of, of Adonijah. So why does it say his mother bore him after Adonijah? The text is interested in birth order. The next in line. Say it with me. The legitimate heir, the legitimate heir. that by rights is entitled to David's throne. That by right. But when there's a word, somebody ought to say, if you've got a prophecy behind your life, I don't know 
if you heard me. I said when you've got a word behind your life, something God told you. I said something God told you. Oh my goodness. His mother bore him after Absalom. See, Amnon, the firstborn, he's dead. He's dead. Absalom murdered him. Then Absalom, I will be king. And I'm going to do it by overthrowing my father. I'm going to take over my father's kingdom. I'm going to get everybody to join with me. And I'm going to just kick him out of his own kingdom. Absalom's dead. Third one. We don't know what happened to the third one, but he's gone too. So the next one is Adonijah. A very goodly man and his mother bore him after Absalom. Now watch this next one. This is the impossible. This is never, this is never going to happen. It's never going to happen because of this next verse in the natural. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, and Abiathar, the priest, and they, following Adonijah, helped him. You know who these two men are? Do you have any idea? Joab is the longest, most faithful member of David's army. Sons of Zariah, just for biblical knowledge. Zariah was the sister of King David. Joab was his nephew. Joab is now acting as prime minister because he's been with David forever. And so the prime minister, <laughs> David can't get out of bed. The prime minister is backing up the wrong man. Then you've got another whole strand of power. The priesthood. Abiathar. Abiathar was with David in the wilderness. He brought the ephod. His father was Ahimelech who was murdered by Saul for taking care of David. Two of the most powerful men in David's kingdom. Up at Adonijah. Now, when God gives you a word, that word, when you believe it and act on it, He's the lifter of your head. He can do anything. But the Bible's gonna tell you how. The Bible tells us that Nathan the prophet heard. Notice, Adonijah invites everybody, but there's just a few people he didn't invite to his ordination ceremony. He didn't invite Nathan <laughs> because Nathan said, you're the wrong man. So he didn't invite Nathan. He didn't invite Zadok either <clears throat> because Zadok the priest now has more power than Abiathar. And he's completely loyal to David in everything. He didn't invite Solomon, his brother. He invited all the other brothers. 
but he didn't invite Solomon, nor did he invite Solomon's mother, but he invited the whole royal family to his, his coronation. Nathan the prophet goes into King David and says, or goes into Bathsheba, goes to Bathsheba, and says, did you not know that Adonijah has made himself king and that my Lord David knows it not? And he said, listen to the voice of my words and save your life and save the life of your son. You must go right now into the king. And remind the king. Say day of remembrance. I said, hello. Now, following this close, you're going to go in and you're going to say, did you not promise your handmaiden that my son Solomon would be king? Why now does Adonijah reign? Do you see the spiritual? Do you see what's going on here? Nathan, the prophet, represents the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is going to tell you, you've got to, it doesn't matter how many, how horrible it looks, how no way that the, it doesn't matter if there's political power. It doesn't matter if there is somebody with the financial power. It doesn't matter if it's somebody who legitimately says, this is mine. It doesn't matter who they are. If God told you, I said, if God told you, maybe you didn't hear me. I said, if God promised you and God told you, then on Rosh Hashanah, before Rosh Hashanah, you better take that word that God gave you and start going before the king and tell the king, king, I have, I ask you, my God, I'm bringing before you the word you spoke to me. Say it with me. The word he spoke to me. The promise he gave to me. The promise he gave to my destiny. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. And the Bible says, Nathan said, you say that to the king. And I will come in after you. Now watch this. And I will confirm your words. I want you to know the Holy Ghost is going to confirm the word. If God gave you a word, hallelujah. hallelujah. If you've got the Holy Ghost backing up your word, then you know it's going to happen. Somebody ought to say, if the witness of the Spirit is there and the power of the Holy Ghost is there, you already know that what you are asking God, you will receive. That's why if we don't have the Holy Ghost when we go before the king, 
Hallelujah. The Bible says, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. We, and it doesn't say we don't know how to pray. It says we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for the saints of God according to the will of the will of God tonight just keep those hands raised when when Bathsheba said these words immediately Nathan came in and confirmed them and as soon as Nathan confirmed him he called he called Zadok he called Abiathar and he called Benaniah said, get my servants, get my mule, go down to the river Gihon and blow the trumpet. Say it with me, a day of the blowing of the trumpet. Say, activating the word that God gave me. Somebody ought to praise God. A day of the blowing of the trumpets unto you. And you will blow the trumpet over Solomon and say, God save King Solomon. And somebody ought to give God the praise. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.